Body language is a universal language, but do you really know how to read someone like a book in a business negotiation? Can you decode their hidden body language? My next guest can. He's Greg Williams, author of Body Language Secrets to Win More Negotiations, How to Read Any Opponent, and Get What You Want. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Greg Williams helps businesses achieve more success by improving their negotiating strategies. He's known as the master negotiator and body language expert. Greg is also a professional speaker, trainer, and author of six books. Plus, he's a TV news contributor, often being asked to appear on television to critique the meaning and degree of truthfulness concealed in a negotiation strategy and hidden body language gestures of politicians, entertainers, and others in the news. I bet he's got a lot of those interviews these days. Anyhow, over the past 30 years, Greg has coached hundreds of thousands of people worldwide. He's a certified speaking professional and a certified high-performance coach. And since starting his business in 1993, he's served on national U.S. corporate boards, advised and consulted with Fortune 100 companies, high-net-worth individuals, and those seeking higher achievement. Greg's also run for political office in the U.S. He was named Businessman of the Year by the U.S. Congress and appointed by the Governor of New Jersey as Chairman of Authority for Financial and Contract Opportunities for Small, Minority, and Women-Owned Businesses. Clearly, Greg's gift as a people person who wants to see others reach higher, go further, and achieve more than they've ever thought was possible comes through loud and clear in his many accomplishments. And so I'm so excited to have him on the show. Let's bring him on now. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Greg. Why, thank you, Hannah, and thank you for that fantastic introduction. My goodness, I had to look in the mirror, make sure you were talking about me. (laughs) (laughs) Most definitely, definitely, definitely. You know, body language is such a very cool subject. You know, it's something we all fumbled with as adolescents entering the dating scene. But in business setting, there's less room for error and it's mission critical in a negotiation setting, but even important in everyday face-to-face business interactions. So how did you get involved with decoding body language? Well, you know, Hannah, that's a very good question because I always focused on my negotiation skills in order to enhance them, number one, and to become much more proficient over time, number two. And as I did, there was one common thread that I started first recognizing that I had an ability to truly decipher someone's body language. When they would say something, I'd pick up a nuance that, wait a minute, there's more than what was said with words that the mind is trying to convey. So I started learning and studying more about body language. It wasn't until I was a Fox News contributor that I was branded as a body language expert by Fox News. And I thought, well, wait a minute, I know a lot about it, but let me even become more immersed in that subject matter. And that was the path of progression that I took to literally learn a whole lot more about body language and thus be able to hone the skills that I possess today. Well, I think that could be a two-edged sword, you know, body language, because I bet you sometimes you see some things you wish you hadn't. (laughs) Yeah, try and unsee them. But you know what? That is really true because 
my body language sensing abilities now are so innate innate that I can see something and we all perceive things from time to time. But the way our brains function, we will only allow our attention to be drawn to that particular incident if we feel as though it is either threatening us or is of importance for something that we want to achieve. And thus, there are things that I will see that my subconscious mind will not register until later at times because it wasn't important at the time, but nevertheless, it will come into my purview of my mental thought process later, and I'll determine, okay, here's why I saw that and took note of it. So I say that to say, yes, we all see things from time to time. We just have to make sure that we are truly seeing what we are sensing. Why do we run a red light when we are literally driving? Because we saw green in our mind's eye, even though the light was red. And I'm not saying everybody runs a red light, but you get the gist of what I'm saying there. Yeah, but a lot of people see red coming and floor it. I mean, come on. (laughs) It happens. It happens, you know, and that's just the challenge because it's like you see it, but you don't want to believe it or you hear it or perhaps don't recognize the significance. So let's talk about these subtle cues because I think people understand when someone's laughing or crying. It's like, okay, I get it. You're upset. You're happy. But there's a whole range of emotion in between some subtle things that are, you know, what's easy to miss that we should be looking for? Well, how about if someone says to you, oh, my gosh, I am so happy to see you and actually just turn their head in the other direction while they're saying it just for a moment. Yeah, I know. Liar, liar, pants on fire, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, ah, Hannah. Or did they just turn their head for a moment because there was something else that captivated their attention at that moment. Remember what I said about we sense and see signals all the time to the degree we feel they are a threat or of benefit, we will lend our attention to it. So even in that particular situation for a moment, someone turns, did they see someone else that came into the room, if that be the case, or something else that was clicking in their minds? The point is they can or cannot in that situation be happy to see you. But there was something that occurred in that moment that they looked away. And someone that is a student deciphering body language might just make a note of that. Yes, the person said he or she was happy to see me at that particular point in time. What was it that drew their attention away? And Hannah, therein lies also how one becomes a better negotiator. Because if you're negotiating in a situation like that, and let's say you were in a networking environment, and you really wanted to make a very positive first impression on this person, and the person looked away for a moment after saying, oh, I'm so happy to see you, you could say, oh, yes, you know, and I'm glad to finally get a chance to meet you. Uh, Do you have time right now? I just noticed that uh, your attention seemed to be drawn away momentarily. Now, if someone said something like that to you, Hannah, would you think, wow, you know what, this person is kind of savvy to observe the fact that I actually did look away for a moment because, yes, I saw Dr. Jones come into the room and I definitely need to speak to Dr. Jones. What would be your thought process in that in that situation, Hannah? It could be a couple of things. I mean, I like the answer and the solution that you pose because it gives the person an opportunity to escape, <laughs> which yes. is yes. what often yes. happens. 
mm-hmm. right? Exactly. In these networking exactly. situations, they feel, sometimes people feel trapped because of whatever verbal, nonverbal cues you may be giving mm-hmm. off that, oh, mm-hmm. this is the person that has sent me 18 emails and now they've cornered me and I really need to escape because I know this isn't going to be a productive conversation. Or they may genuinely need to talk to Dr. Jones and it's like, gosh, I've been trying to get a hold of them and I knew they'd be here. I just need a minute with them and I can come back yes. to you. Right? So, I mean, yes, there could be yes, a lot of things, exactly. but there comes a point where it's like, how many of these do you excuse? From what perspective? Well, from the perspective of you're trying to accomplish something, let's say in a negotiation, and even a networking okay. situation is a, I'll call it a soft negotiation, even though some people just okay. hand out cards like they're, they're breath mints. <laughs> I love that image. Go ahead. Well, but you know what I'm saying, right? They figure it's a game. You can collect more cards, right? As Uh opposed uh to having a meaningful interaction of, gee, you know, Greg, you you sound interesting. Tell me more about what you do. How can I help you? You're going to be more inclined to talk to somebody like that than, gee, Greg, uh, you're a speaker. I need speaking opportunities. What can you do for me? Like, whoa, where'd this come from, right? Exactly, exactly. Hannah, you just hit upon something. Seriously, I mean, obviously, you are a savvy business person. And you just hit upon something that a lot of business people do miss. Okay, so you go to the event that we were hypothetically speaking of, the networking event a moment ago. You're handing out business cards like breath events. Again, I love that image. And you're not really connecting. All you're doing is connecting with cards, not with people. And let me just cite what I'm speaking of uh, to even highlight the point of displaying some form of uh, at least offering uh, insights per what you can do to benefit the person whom you're speaking first. And I always say first seek to understand before you seek to be understood. So the better you understand someone's personality, their environment, whatever is of importance to them, you can then speak to that purpose and solicit more influence upon that person and from that person than you otherwise would. Let me cite one quick example of exactly what happened to me in the situation. And this occurred uh, several years ago. I was at an event. It was somewhat of a networking event, but it was a high, let's call it polluting networking event, if you wish. And I observed this one particular person that was uh, one of the guests of the organization at the event, a high-level individual. And after people had bombarded her, I actually went over and I said, I'm here to help you escape. And she looked at me and she said, what do you mean? I said, I've just been observing and I know you're going through the pleasantries of meeting people, but you look like you are bored as all heck. Hi, my name is Greg Williams. I'm a body language expert. And she looked at me and she said, you know what? I am glad you came over to rescue me. And I said, what is it that you'd really rather do than be here? And she said, almost anything. Now, she happened to be someone that was connected with the White House at that particular point in time. And just that little slight uh, recognition of how she was really experiencing the environment allowed me to become somewhat more ingratiating to her. So do you see how just being empathetic sometimes and displaying it as a result of observing somebody's nature, their mindset in a particular environment via their body language can enhance any type of even negotiation effort or efforts to connect with people? Definitely. But let me ask you something. In this particular networking situation, and and this could actually be any type of 
face-to-face interaction. When you're Mm -hmm. observing body language, is there a hierarchy of what you look for about eyes, hand, facial expression, posture? Is there a hierarchy? Well, there is to the degree that you have to look at every individual as an individual. And if you can't discern what a particular gesture means to that person, then you look at what it would mean if you were looking at it from a group perspective. That's to say what somebody in that position at that particular point in time might do. So once again, you always first understand by looking at the foundation of how that person uses their body language in a non-threatening environment. To the degree that you can, you observe at what points do they really laugh? How hard do they laugh? Uh, To what points do they use their hands to say something along the lines of, oh, I believe everyone should be inclusive while breaking their hands towards themselves versus saying the same thing and having the hands go away from their body. Now, with that expression, the hands moving towards themselves, that is saying, come closer. That's literally saying that as the person is synchronizing his or her words with the movement of those hands coming closer. Again, you would expect somebody to do that gesture when they're saying, come closer, everybody should be together, etc. Some people may use the exact opposite gesture to represent the same thing. And thus, you would need to know how that person represented such a gesture in a normal environment. Then later, you would compare that gesture to whether or not the person was starting to get a little anxious, whether or not the person was starting to get, uh, call it stressful if you wish even, and you would note what caused a person to alter their body language gesture. And sometimes, yes, you can look at the eyes, but some smart body language folks know how to manipulate someone based on their facial expression even as it comes to the eyes. But I'll tell you what, I don't want to give too long of an answer to this question, but I'll talk about seven micro-expressions if you'd like me to. I would love to because I I think people hear about body language and, yeah, they they get it up to a point and they may even be able to read it up to a point. But I think it's Mm -hmm. those little subtle cues that they may be Mm -hmm. missing that everybody's Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, what should I be looking for? So, yeah, tell us about that. Okay. There are, first of all, microexpressions are displays of emotion that will last for no more than one second, and they are displays that occur before the mind has a chance to filter the display. Thus, they are real. They are authentic per how a person is feeling at that moment in time. And the seven that I'm getting ready to mention are universal to everyone on the face of the planet. Thus, if you stimulated someone in North America with the same gesture in South America, the person in North America would have the same response as the person in South America, Asia, uh, Europe, be wherever that person is. The seven are fear, anger, disgust, contempt, sadness, happiness, and surprise. And for example, Hannah, You're in a safe environment right now, correct? Correct. Exactly. And you know you're in a safe environment, right? Right. May I do something to just highlight the point that I'm making? And if you choose, hey, it maybe might get dropped on the editing floor. But may I do something? Go right ahead. Ah! How did you respond when you just heard me do that? 
I was wondering whether I needed to call 911. <laughs> Greg, okay. are you okay? You I'm, still there? <laughs> yeah. Is that really right? Right. I've done that literally on live TV interviews, and the host has jumped. Yeah. And why did the host jump knowing that uh, he or she, in certain cases, were in the uh, uh, safe environment? They did so because that was fear. There was no thought process that went into, hey, I know I'm safe right now. I don't have to be fearful of anything. Okay, so Greg, there was no analytical process. The body just reacted. And like I said, there are seven. That was a micro expression that one would have exhibited. And there are little things, even when you're negotiating with someone. If, for example, you made an offer to the other negotiator, and uh, she said, uh, oh, Greg, yeah, that, that sounds good. And you just observed the upturning of one of the corners of her lips. That would indicate to you at that moment she had contempt for your offer, which is exactly what that would display. The point is, if you were astute enough in reading that body language signal, you would know you heard words that said one thing, but the real thought process says something altogether different, which means as a smart negotiator sensing that signal, you could either pocket that gesture that you saw related to the offer that you just made and come back to it later to make sure that person is more on board. Or you could say something along the lines of, you know, I heard exactly what you said, but Hannah, can you tell me how you think that offer might be better? You know, you pick up that little nuance and you can gain additional information. And let me let me just tell you something else that I just did with that example too, Hannah. In a negotiation, and especially in a business negotiation, you can glean additional insight by allowing the person to tell you. Remember what I said, first seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Allow that person to tell you what his or her perspective of a good deal is. And at least you know to the degree that that person's perspective of a good deal matches up to what it is that you're prepared to offer or receive, you have more of common ground that you can build upon. Fair enough. Fair enough. So it's clear that emotion plays a large role in our interactions and we're not all trained actors. So it's, it's probably very difficult for us to control those little micro emotions, right? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So and, how and, do we... How do we prepare for an interview, um, not an interview, but a a negotiation that we're very passionate about? Let's say it's a real significant transaction. Someone's Uh career may be on the line for it. The company Uh may be on the line. It could be a make or break. What do you recommend? Well, I'll tell you what, and I truly have this, number one, is the core of my being. No matter what you encounter in life, You will overcome it if you but have the diligence to do so. Now, the reason that's so important, I've gone through a bankruptcy in my lifetime. I've hit extremely, extremely high financial goals, and I've sunk really low to the bottom. And it was when I was at the bottom that I truly had insights that I I think I had missed because I didn't have to really want for anything when I had lots and lots and lots of money. So I say that to say you have to have the belief going into the situation, no matter what, I'm going to be okay. That will allow you to be able to walk away from the deal, even like you said, okay, so what? My business is at stake here. Now, I don't want to be extreme, but I'm going to be because this is something that people need to know and truly need to believe in order to 
negotiate more effectively. If you are not prepared to walk away from the deal in a negotiation, you are setting yourself up to receive or accept less than you otherwise would have. If the emotions are such that someone says to you, you, let's use ease of numbers in this case, you expect to come out of a situation with half a million dollars, let's say, and instead someone is offering you $100,000 a year, like, OMG, are you serious? And you show it. Well, the person that is now offering you only 100000 can see the distress that such is causing, knowing that you may want that daggone offer, he he may actually say, you know, I'm sorry, I, I can only do 50000 or something of that nature, be it a contract or whatever you be going after. So you have to control your emotions. And knowing what your emotional state can be prior to going into a negotiation means identifying where you might have weaknesses in your emotions such that showing such weaknesses will serve to not be your ally in a particular negotiation. You have to ride, you have to ride shotgun on it. Truth be known, there have been times when I have been extremely, extremely, Hannah, upset in a negotiation, and no one could tell at all. Again, it comes from practice, but you have to make sure that you have your mental state of mind, your game face on when you go into a negotiation, which truly means controlling your emotions. So you need that poker face. Yes, yes. And, and speaking of which, you ever notice poker players wear glasses? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so even then, even when they have their poker face on, they're even hiding their, their eyes because the eyes can give clues sometimes because the eyes, uh, hey, moving left, moving right, darting in and out, blinking excessively can indicate stress at a particular moment in time also. Or oh my gosh, look at this big smile coming on my face. Oh, wait a minute, I can't smile. And yet the eyes, the orbit of the eyes are saying, oh, I'm so happy right now. I got a winning hand. I got a winning hand. Right, right. They sparkle. uh, Yes, they sparkle. And by the way, that's part of uh, how one can detect a genuine smile. Look at the eyes and the eyes sparkle. You hit the nail on the head with that one, Hannah, for sure. Okay, okay. Well, you know, it seems that you know, some people are more savvy about negotiations and being able to read and, and accurately interpret some of these telltale mm-hmm. nanosecond signs that they see. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. whether, especially in a, an important negotiation, you should have more than one person on your team come with you, maybe someone just to observe. What do you think? Well, I've served some high net worth clients and some corporations in just that capacity, literally in the meeting as someone sitting off to the side that's, uh, oh, uh, this is the person that uh, takes the notes for us in such situations. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there. <laughs> I'm observing the opposing team's body language. If a particular question or offer is posed to, let's say, hypothetically, the person that's supposed to be in charge, and instead of responding, the person in charge on the other team happens to look uh, at another individual. Okay, so Make a little note of that. Okay, so to what degree did the person that's supposed to be in charge have to look at this other individual? Make a mental note of it. Okay, something else goes on, and again, this person that's supposed to be in charge looks to this person again. Well, that nonverbal signal of looking to the other person is indicating, wait a minute, this other person has some degree of importance than what's being led on at this particular uh, point. 
it takes it would be preferable to understand what that person's preferences are per what's really going on who's the real decision maker and that's the point when you are in such an environment uh depend upon with whom it is you're negotiating uh, let's say the other side has three people uh, and you really are all by yourself well then you would sit if they're on one side of the table you're on the other side you would sit directly across from the person in the middle of the three people such as to give the appearance and spread your stuff out by the way to give your give the appearance of taking up more space in that case if not and uh, well even if that's your situation you still have to refer back to somebody back to wherever, the home office, uh, the, the president uh, of the company, whomever you designate as your authority figure, which is why smart negotiators want to make sure the people they're negotiating with have the final decision to make such a decision per the outcome of the negotiation binding. And most times, good negotiators know all the time, no, 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 I still have to have this ratified by such and such as the board of directors, whatever be the case. But if you're by yourself, just understand the mentality that you go in there with. Three against one, with the example I just cited a moment ago, and if it's three against one, you don't have to have that mindset. You can have the mindset of, my gosh, they only have three people? Boy, oh boy. Or, huh, they think they need three people to come up against me and I'm all by myself. Wow, what an honor. You know what I'm saying, Hannah? It's that mindset. It's that mindset that you have going into the negotiation and then the mindset that you encounter as you go through the negotiation that will allow you to become a better negotiator and get greater negotiation outcomes as a result of such. Very good. You know, some of our listeners, Greg, are startups, some of them are small businesses. And, you know, the holy grail is often, oh, my God, I got a, a contract with a Fortune 500 company, you know, being able to get the foot in the door of a really large company uh, with the opportunity of more contracts to come. But yet often I find, and I'm putting my lawyer hat on for a second, that when it comes to looking at the contract, a lot of people fold in those situations because, oh, my God, they're so big, I can't possibly ask for confidentiality provision. And in the process, you know, they walk in with their pants down. So, oh, what? another image. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. You know, they've got it all yes, hanging yes. out there and they hope nobody kicks yeah. them, you know? Um, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but let me ask you this. If you were to advise someone like that, what could they do to improve their mindset in order to walk in not being cocky or overconfident, but to appreciate the value that they're bringing to the table? Ah, Hannah, excellent question. And you know, it's one that I counseled many small business owners on over the years because, okay, I got this huge opportunity. This large corporation is going to give me a chance to get my foot in the door. Remember, the way you go through that door determines to what degree that large corporation will interact with you going forward. My motto is, you're always negotiating, and that's what that motto means. That what you do today influences the outcomes that you'll experience tomorrow. Thus, again, you have to be prepared to walk away if the situation's not right. Oh, but I'm a storm out and Lord knows I need this contract. Oh, the business is going to go out of business. Okay, well, first of all, get out of that headset that you're in. That, that mindset that you have right there is a distractor. It's going to cause you, as you said, <laughs> to walk in with your pants down. And, hey, if you go in with that mindset, people more than likely will take 
I'm not going to say advantage of you uh, from a callous perspective, but everybody wants the best deal that they can get. You're already going in with a mental state of weakness per the perspective that you're actually projecting. So no, okay, no contract. You should have the opinion is of such great importance to you, mentally speaking, that you have to go in and subjugate yourself to whomever you are actually interacting with. And here's something else to remember. Depending upon the personality uh, type and style of the person that you are negotiating with, you display weakness, and that person is going to eat you up, number one. Number two, they will not respect you to the degree that they otherwise would have. And number uh, was that? Number two, number three, whatever point I'm on. Uh, and uh, that also, that person is going to remember that you can be handled. And I almost said manhandled, but uh, you get the gist going forward. So you had to understand, no, it's not such that it's so important that you're going to go out of business. If that be the case, maybe you just need to let it go for right now. That's the mindset I've had. And I had to come to that mindset, like I said, because yes, large corporations feel as though they have leverage. Well, how can you go back and get leverage with those guys? Go after some of their their main uh, manufacturers or, or main clients or whatever be the case to see if you can find something out about that larger corporation that you can use for leverage if that be the case. But don't go in as some weakling just asking for some crumbs when you really have something that they want and which is why they're really negotiating with you. Understand the value you possess for why they're even entertaining the time to bring you in. Very good, very good. If they didn't need you, they wouldn't be talking to you. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. They need you for something. You need to really identify what that something is and see how you can exploit it from a positive perspective such that you add more value to their perspective and perception of why they're actually speaking to you. And this is where body language helps us to decipher that in order to leverage that. Is that right? Oh, definitely so. And you know what, Hannah? Even when you're speaking to someone on the phone, in my case, I listen to word choice that's used. I listen to tonality. I listen for inflections such as, well, that's really important. Well, that's really important. That's really important? Uh, you know, because, again, people are conveying different sentiments just based on tonality, word choice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wow, that was way cool. Wow, you know what? That was hip. And I don't even know if hip is still in the vernacular <laughs> of people today. Is hip still hip? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Is hip still hip? Hey, there's a title for me to write about. There you go. There you go. Yeah, well, tell sure. me, since you since you wrote this amazing book, Body Language Secrets to Win More Negotiations, How to Read Any Opponent and Get What You Want, which, by the way, we will have a link on the episode page for this edition of Business Confidential Now. So People don't have to worry about, you know, writing the full title down. Just come on over to the website, businessconfidentialradio.com, and you'll find it. Uh, just click on it. But I'm curious, what inspired you to write that? Oh, oh Hannah, literally my literary agent was the one that inspired me to write it. My prior books have all led with negotiation tactics and strategies, and my literary agent said, okay, how about if we lead with body language this time? The publisher's like, yeah, body language this time. So I was inspired by that, number one. And number two, as I was a kid growing up, my mother, my grandmother negotiated for everything in life. I mean, everything, Hannah. If you thought you could save a penny off of it, my mother would negotiate for it type of thing. 
And it was also somewhat, um, I love to get back to the world, number one, and I can do so in this format. But even more so, it's another way for me, since my mother passed away a few years ago, to let my mother's voice come through, through what she actually instilled in me and the knowledge that she actually gave me over the years. So it's a combination of those things that I actually wrote this book. And, uh, hey, as long as God gives me strength, I'll keep on sharing my knowledge with the world. Well, that's wonderful. Not only is it great tips, but it's a love story to your mom. I love that. That's wonderful. You know, the one thing I really enjoy about interviewing entrepreneurs such as you, Greg, is that besides your subject matter expertise, your entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. is itself a fascinating story. So I'd love to know what influences have helped shape your thoughts about business. Is there one influencer you can share with us? Well, I shared my mother a moment ago, uh, and uh, I can tell you more about her. I could tell you more about uh, a gentleman that uh, got me involved in politics as a result of working with uh, his organization many years ago. And I actually saw him run for state senate. And uh, I thought, hmm, there's another way to help people. Again, part of my mantra in life. And then over the years, I started getting more involved in politics and decided to run for office. And boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, did I ever get some insight (laughs) for what goes on behind closed doors. But I say that to say it was still inspirational for that gentleman to instill in me some of the life lessons that he had also learned uh, per how to give back to individuals. Uh, I want to just highlight my mother again, uh, because from the time I was a little boy, uh, when I was a little boy, uh, me and Moses used to shine shoes together. And uh, okay, that's a slight, a slight bit of a joke. But um, when I was a little boy, my parents would actually let me shine shoes. And I was about four years old at that particular point in time, you know, make a penny, make a nickel, make a dime or something. And that taught me the lessons of entrepreneurship. Even then, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't call it as such. Even in high school, I actually worked at a grocery store. Then after high school, before going to college even, uh, I actually had another job. When I was in college, I had a job. It's that entrepreneurial spirit that I've had that's been a part of my life since I was a little kid. I am so thankful to the Lord for blessing me by having me be the kid that she gave life to. Fabulous. And so you keep that entrepreneurial fire burning. Terrific. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, Greg, we're just about out of time, and I just want to thank you so much for sharing your insights and these powerful tips on how to make us more effective negotiators. I'm grateful you were able to join us today on Business Confidential Now. Thank you. You are more than welcome. And Hannah, let me just say something, too, per what it is that you're doing. You're adding value to the world as the fact that you are a conduit to such insights as bringing myself on and other individuals. So you too need to be highlighted and praised for doing so. That's very kind of you. I appreciate that. We'll have to have you come back, Greg. It's just that simple. (laughs) Okay. Hey, anytime I'm available, I'm available anytime. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, Well, thank thank you. you so much. And as I said, we're going to have links on the episode page for how to get in touch with Greg if you need his assistance, his book, his websites, lots of good stuff. So come on over to Business Confidential now. Thank you for joining me today. You can get more information about today's guest and the show notes on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. 
and connect with me on social media. I'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more business information and inside scoop you need to succeed in your business. Till then, 